Hello to all on Facebook. Bill Allen here. Glad to be with you today and welcome to our Sunday afternoon Facebook study. Hoping that the technology works for us today. It seems to be a little choppy and questionable here as we begin, which always gives Bill a flutter or two in the heart and the stress. Assuming and hoping that all is well. So if you are watching online, I uh, hope that you are able to do that uh, effectively and efficiently and that we'll be able to get through this study without any major pitfalls. Glad to be with you. It's a very warm, muggy day. We've had some rain here in uh, East Texas uh, the last couple of days, yesterday particularly. And that makes for a, a little bit of a muggy day, but the temperatures are not as hot as they perhaps could have been otherwise. And I know there's a lot of people to the south of us and to the north of us that have really gotten a lot of rain. And so our hearts go out uh, to you. Of course, we uh, continue to be aware of world situation with the COVID-19 pandemic and with the situation, uh, disheartening situation and tragic situation in, in Afghanistan, the earthquake victims in Haiti. There's a lot going on in our world that uh, warrants our prayerfulness before the Father. And that is, that is for sure. Uh, certainly we find great comfort and great peace in knowing that Jesus is Lord and that he is with us through all of the good and through all of the bad that we experience in this life. And he is able to bring good even out of the worst of situations. And so we leave that to our sovereign God and continue to try to do his will in our day-to-day -day lives uh, as best we can, relying on his blood uh, the blood of his son to save us from our sins and relying on the presence and power of his Holy Spirit uh, to give us the power to be able to do that and relying upon his holy word, the Bible, to be able to uh, know how we are to live that life every day. So several have signed on. I appreciate that. It makes me a little bit more confident than I was a minute ago about whether this was going through or not. So hello to all of my dear friends, Cindy and Eric Mosley, Larry and Lynn Murphy, always good. Uh, to see you. Great to see uh, Lenny and Joe Allard's name on there. And my cool cousin Tracy, when I grow up I want to be just as cool as you are, my friend. <laughs> and I appreciate you and your faith so much and our friendship through the years, as well as being first cousins by blood. So a uh, great blessing to be able to be with you and to talk about um, complete love. Uh, you remember, I'm sure, perhaps you saw it, perhaps you just made fun of it, but the scene in Jerry Maguire uh, can you imagine that that movie came out 25 years ago? <laughs> 25 years ago. It was in 1996, I believe. But that scene at the end where he storms into the ladies' support group meeting uh, and Renee Zellweger, the love of his life, is in there and, and he goes off on this long, long speech and ends with uh, that, uh, that statement that says, You complete me. And uh, finally, she stops him and, and says another very memorable line from that scene, you had me at hello. And so, you know, I'm, that's a great, great line as well. But uh, that whole idea where he says, you complete me, very romanticized, uh, very oft repeated uh, through uh, media and through social media and through memes and through uh, references to that movie and that scene. And it's a great scene, and it's a it's a pretty cool movie, Jerry Maguire. But um, but that whole idea of complete love this is this is a part of what our culture tries to convince us that if we can just find that that person that loves us and that we love them, then that is complete love. 
Uh, scripture uses several terms for love, as I'm sure you're aware, and the greatest of those is agape, and you've heard that term, and we're familiar with that, that uh, ultimate uh, type of love. It's more than just a brotherly affection. It's more than just a self-serving love, but it actually is uh, almost the exact opposite of what is touted in the media today. Uh, the media says that you, you find that love when you find someone that will do anything in the world for you. And actually, that's the opposite of what um, what true, biblical, complete, agape love is. That's the love that says that you will make all the sacrifices for the other. Love always acts in the best interest of the other, rather than demanding our selfish desires be met uh, today by the one who supposedly loves us. That's that's not that's not the way of the cross. That's not true, complete love according to the Bible. Why do you say that, Bill? Well, because of this passage that we're looking at today and, and so many others in Scripture. But in 1 John chapter 4, the Apostle John, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, as he describes himself in the Gospel of John, uh, one of those closest to Jesus, and, and one of the twelve apostles, but also one of that inner three, Peter, James, and John, James and John brothers, James, the first apostle killed, for the faith early on in the history of the church in Acts chapter 12. And John, likely the last apostle to die and dying for his faith in exile on the island of Patmos. Um, but before he dies, he writes these letters and he receives and writes the revelation. And, um, and in this letter, in 1 John chapter 4, as we've seen throughout chapters 3 and 4, he is really focusing on complete love. And he is very specific about this uh, in this passage especially that we're looking at at the end of first john chapter 4 and it's again another opportunity to contrast the world's view of love and jesus view of love um, and the question for us today of course is which will we follow uh, which will we look for to experience in our own lives and so a few things from this passage we'll break it down into three parts since it's a little bit longer passage i have two more lessons in this series on 1st John and so we'll have uh, two more lessons after today on August 22nd and 29th uh, but first of all let's finish 1st John uh, shall we 1st uh, John chapter 4 beginning at verse 7 tells us that the hard part of the call to love others is just that <laughs> it's the call to love others what makes it difficult is that God seriously actually expects us to do just that. First uh, John 4, beginning at verse 7 and going through verse 11. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, that's a, a very powerful, powerful statement there at the end, and it surprises us. But let's look at a few of those verses that lead up to it. And as we do, we can be reminded of lots of great passages of Scripture, starting with John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave 
his one and only unique son, uh, so that everyone who would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. Uh, we think of John 10 and Jesus calling himself the good shepherd and he says the good shepherd loves his sheep and lays down his life for his sheep. Again, it's that self-sacrificing love that scripture calls us to have. Uh, not willing, not looking for others to lay down their lives for us, but to actually do that for them. Uh, the incredible statement in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So very clearly, it's a very active love. Uh, as dearly loved children, Paul would write to the Ephesians in chapter 5, uh, we are to live a life of love. It starts with God, starts with Jesus Christ and the love that he had for us. But then as it expresses itself in the love that we have, not just for him, but especially for others. And that's the surprising part of this passage. We get the call to love God. We understand that. But throughout this part of First John chapter 4, from here until the very end of the, of the chapter, there is the strongest call to love others uh, and not just love God, probably as much as we can find anywhere in Scripture. So these verses, starting with verse 7 of 1 John 4, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Uh, God is the source of love, and we should love others because uh, love comes from God, and everyone who is born of God and knows God loves others. Believe me, we want to be known as people who love God. We want to be known as people who were born of God and know God. And if that's to be the case, then it calls us to love others, not just to love him, but to love others. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Uh, that great song that we sing, uh, Love One Another. Uh, occasionally at church that starts out with just the altos and then adds the bases and continues on. Borrows heavily from 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter, but also borrows heavily from this passage in 1 John chapter 4, including that part that just repeats itself over and over again, God is love. Um, and that's found right here in 1 John chapter 4, and it's used to be the reason why we should love others because God is love, and that's how our love should be as well. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Again, biblical love is not an inactive love, but rather it's the opposite. It's a very active love, and it's a love that doesn't just show itself by actively loving the Father, but it shows itself by actively loving others. And that's, and that's what that verse says. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 sounds very much like this verse in verse 9 and the verses that we saw in 1 John 3, 16 and other places. Um, this is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world to die for us that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be that atoning sacrifice. Again, it, it starts with God. As Ephesians 5 tells us, Romans 12 says, in view of God's mercies, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Um, Ephesians 5, as dearly loved children, first of all, we live a life of love because Christ loved us. 
That, that's how this whole thing goes. It's a two-step, but the first step is God's. And God has made that step. He's loved us. He's loved us so much that he has sent his son to die for us and to save us. And so it doesn't stop there. That's where it starts for us, and it causes us to, to be actively loving others uh, because that's the kind of love that God had, a very active love. And then verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love God. Is that how your translation reads, 1 John chapter 4, verse 11? It's kind of what we think it should say, shouldn't it? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love God. But that's not what it says, is it? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4, verse 11. And so the, the measurement of our love for God is not in how much we love him, but it's actually the call to obediently and genuinely and sacrificially love others. Why? Because that's what God did for us. He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were his enemies. He served us. Again, that passage in 1 John chapter 3 beginning at verse 16, 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, but very similar. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then it gives a specific example or two about sharing our material blessings. That's one way that we demonstrate our love for them. It's one way that we love them with a very active love. And the kind of love that God had for us, loving us with an act of love and therefore sending Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be saved through him. Again, it's, it's what Jesus himself says he came to do. In Matthew chapter 20, as he's <laughs> trying to referee an argument between the disciples as to who's the greatest, he says, oh, I'll tell you who is the greatest. I'll tell you who's first. It's the one who's last. Uh, the greatest among you is the one who is the servant. And it's basically him saying, the greatest among you is the one who loves with such a sacrificial servant love that it places the other above itself. And then he says that great verse in Matthew 20, verse 28, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, that's the same thing. He came to serve and he served us. And so therefore we should serve not just him, but others, the way he served us. And in the same way, dear friends, since God so loved us, since Jesus so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Very similar to the passage in John 13, when Jesus has washed the apostles' feet shortly before they, one of them leaves to betray him, one of them denies him three times, they all leave him. But before that happens, just hours before any of that happens, Jesus washes their feet and he says, look, do you see what I've done for you? I've, I've, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done. Um, now that I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Again, we accept him to say, now that I've washed your feet, you should wash mine. He doesn't say that at all. He says, look, if you're gonna show this kind of love, this kind of service, then you will do that for others, not for me but for others. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us also love one another. Well, we're kind of lovable. I mean, we're kind of unlovable. It's hard. Um, and John has more to say about that. 
And so loving others, John says, is really the only way to attain this complete love. With apologies to uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger, um, loving others is the only way, really, to attain a complete love. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 12 now. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Not if God lives in us, his love is made complete in us, but rather if we love one another, if we love others, then his love is made complete in us. Again, why is that? Well, he's already said that because God is love. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Again, an active love is a complete love. The love that doesn't just say nice things, but actually acts on those things, acts on that love. The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Well, what does that mean? How do, how, do, how do we know and rely on the love God has for us? Well, how does John say that God demonstrated his love for us? He sent his one and only son to die for us. And so relying upon Christ and trusting in Christ is the same as loving and trusting in the love of God because that's how God demonstrated his love. He, he showed us his love by sending his son Jesus, the good shepherd, loved us so much that he gave his life for us, his sheep. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son and gave his one and only son uh, so that we could believe in him and trust in him and trust in that love and the sacrifice that that love brought uh, for our soul's salvation and use that to be a model and an example for how we are to love others. That's exactly what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. You know that great passage that says, starts out, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to hold on to, but emptied himself, made himself nothing, took upon the form of a human, not just any human, but a servant, allowed himself to be killed, but not just by any death, by crucifixion. Well, all of that is illustration in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 of the call in verses 1 through 4 of Philippians 2. Well, what's that call? That call is for us, his people, his disciples, to love others. And how does Paul illustrate that? Well, let me give you the best example I know of, someone who loved, and that someone is Jesus Christ the Savior. In the same way, that's what John says here, we know and rely on the love God has for us, and that translates into us treating others with that same kind of love. John says in these verses, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us, verse 12. This is how love is made complete among us, verse 17 says, if we love one another. And then he continues on as we look at the rest of these verses. Um, continuing on in verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us, again repeating, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete 
among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus loved us and Jesus loved others. And so we, we get it. We get it. If we're going to have a love that's like the love that Jesus had, then we're going to love one another, but not just people we like. <laughs> and this is the big difference between us and the world. This is what verse 17 says. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Well, that's very similar to what Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And it draws up the boundaries for our love. And actually what it does is it erases the boundaries that we in this world set. Matthew chapter 5, remember these words from the Sermon on the Mount beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, be complete, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect and complete. Matthew 5, 48. Well, our Father is kind and loving to everyone, even his enemies. And that's how we're to be. And that's so far different than what we see in our world today, in our culture, especially today. Even in the church culture, I'm saddened to say. The thing that separates us should be the way we treat and talk about those who are our enemies. We can't erase these words from Jesus. He refuses to allow us to do that. He says, look, if you want to be like the world, then hate your enemies. Speak badly about them. Disrespect them. If you want to do that on Twitter and email and uh, Instagram and TikTok or whatever, you can do that. And when you do that, you are acting just like the world acts. You're not acting like Christ. Jesus says to love your enemies. Jesus says to treat your enemies well. The way Paul puts it in Romans 12, as you know, is to overcome evil, what? With good, not with better and more prepared and stronger evil. That's the way of the world overcome evil with good. We may not see it happen right away. We may not even see it happen in our own lifetimes. Jesus didn't. Many in the first century church didn't. But we can overcome evil with good. We can overcome hate with love. It's a very active hate. It's not a hate. Uh, it's not a, a very, it's a very active love. It's not a love that checks your brain at the door. We still use good judgment. We still use good sense, but at the same time, we don't act the way the world acts towards those who oppose us, even towards those who are mean to us, who are our enemies, but rather we love them and we wish them well and we treat them with, with kindness. That's the way of the cross and we can't get around that. That's what John is talking about and that's what makes Christians and the church so different from the world. Why is that? Well, Jesus himself said 
in John 13. This is how everyone is going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Why? Because that's how he lived. And so people will make that connection. And if we don't live a life of love, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, then they'll make that connection too. But it won't be connecting us with Jesus and the cross. It will be connecting us with everyone else that you read about in the world. Because their, their goal is to have their side win. <laughs> and, and do that by force. Do that with power. And that's just not the way of the cross. The way of the cross is to, is to serve. Um, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he calls us not to serve him, but to serve each other. Uh, live a life of love as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Um, now, dear friends, that Christ has loved us, we also ought to love one another. The greatest command to love God is followed quickly by Jesus in those passages in the Gospels. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What if my neighbor doesn't love me? Love your neighbor as yourself. What if my neighbor is unkind to me? Love your neighbor as yourself. What if I disagree with my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we can disagree in loving ways and respectful ways and considerate ways and humble ways, or we can disagree in the ways of the world. And I think we know what that looks like. Loving others is the only way to attain complete love. Why? Because that's what God did for us. While we were his enemies, Romans 5 says, God demonstrated his love and let Christ die for us. Well, the passage ends with these very familiar words, very hard, difficult words that are a great conclusion to uh, this chapter and this lesson. In 1 John 4, verses 19 through 21, we love because he first loved us. Again, it starts with God. It's a two-step, and God has made the first step. He loved us, loved us with an active love, sending his own son. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Uh, hard words, but yet again we go back to the greatest commandment of Jesus and the second, to love God. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. John goes even a step further here in saying, if you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God. And the way he puts it is you can't love a God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother or sister whom you have. And I want to say, look, God, the reason that I have trouble loving them is because I have seen them. I know them. Um, I know the hurts that they cause. I know the difficulties that they bring about. And God just shakes his head and smiles and says, well, you treated me the same and worse, but I still loved you. I still loved you with the sacrificial complete love uh, by giving my son, by giving myself in order to save you. And so as we see those brothers and sisters, as we see our neighbor and the difficulties that we have with them, we still hear in our heads and in our hearts that call to love, not the way they love us, 
but to call the call to love them the way God has already loved us. We love because he first loved us. And we're not afraid to live that life of love. And that's how the verses that precede this last section share. In verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Again, this passage is talking about complete love. Perfect love. Fearless love. There is no fear in love because love drives out fear. Love is more powerful than even fear. Uh, natural for us to be afraid at times and to realize that sometimes we are threatened and that translates into that emotion of fear. And that's okay. But we still respond with love. Love for God, love for others. Why is that? Because God is love. Why is that? Because God loved us first. Because he first loved us, we now love not just him, but we love others. Again, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us also love one another. Because God is love. Because God loved us first, we are to love others. <laughs> Again, we expect that to end with we are to love God, but that's not this passage. This passage is a call to love others the way God in Christ Jesus has loved us. We would think that the right response, the right reaction is to love God, and certainly that's a part of it. But to love God, we must love our neighbor. We must love our brother and our sister. John is very clear in these last few verses of 1 John 4 in saying, if you don't love your brother or your sister, if you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God. I don't think any of us would want to be accused of not loving God. And yet, John says, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother or your sister or your neighbor, you don't act with love towards them, then you are a liar. You do not love God. Why? Because loving God is eternally bound to loving neighbor as self, to loving brother and sister to loving enemies the way Christ loved us when we were his enemies. That, my friends, is hard. But that, my friends, is complete love. The kind of love that Jesus had for us. And this is so important because it's the only right response to God loving us. And because it's what identifies us as followers of Christ rather than followers of the world. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, John 13, if you have love one for another. In this world, we are like Jesus. We're not like the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't live with worldly values, and that starts right here. It starts with loving neighbor as self. It starts with loving neighbor because we love God. It starts with loving our enemies because when we were enemies of God, he loved us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us love one another. May God bless us all towards that end. Amen.